0: This podcast is for information purposes only and is not and should not be construed as professional advice or an offer or commitment by any Rubberbank group member to enter into a transaction. The views expressed by the presenter and or guests are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Rubberbank. Please see the podcast description for our full disclaimer. Welcome to RoboTalks: Talks Growing Our Future, where we talk to experts from both here in New Zealand and across the world to bring New Zealand farmers and growers the information they need to make informed, strategic decisions about the future direction of their business, to ensure they continue to thrive in a fast-changing world. The range of expectations facing landowners in respect of how they manage the environmental and social aspects of their operation has many feeling overwhelmed, particularly given the complexities associated with issues like managing water quality and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. However, more often than not, the question one farmer has or the challenge they are trying to address is similar to their neighbour and the farmer down the road and so on. So it makes sense for these farmers to come together to find shared solutions to shared problems. And that's exactly what has been happening across New Zealand in the form of rural communities coming together to form local catchment groups. I'm your host Blake Holgate and in this episode we will focus on the role of rural communities and catchment groups in supporting farmers to understand the environmental and social risks associated with their business to enable them to make the required changes. Someone that knows a lot about catchment groups and how they can create value for their business is today's guest, Taipi Farmer, Rabo Client Council Member and Rangitiki Rivers Catchment Collective Deputy Chair Mark Crystal. Mark, welcome to this episode of Growing Our Future. Yeah, hi Blake, yeah, thanks for having me on. No, absolutely, no, looking forward to the discussion. Before we get into it, I'm sure our listeners would like to know, you know, a little bit about yourself, your, your background, where you come from, your farming business and, and what has been your involvement with the sector and local community.
1: Yeah, um, so we live in in Tahoe, uh here, what we call uh, Middle Earth. So um, in, in Morfongo, so a little uh, uh, settlement on the, on the Taipipi Napier Road, and farm here with my wife Jane, and we have a couple of kids, uh, Jack and Emma. Emma's working for Farmlands as a, as a TFO, and, and my son Jack is down at Lincoln studying a a Bcom Ag. Yeah, we've been here since my mum and dad uh, retired, since 1983 uh, three, that was. 1993, gosh, you better get that right. Um, and so, yeah, we've had a great little little journey here in, in, in happy and really enjoyed it. I was farming with my brother Richard from 93 until 2003, and that's when we, um, we've we since set up a company called Spring Farms uh, NZ Limited, which is, is a company that uh, owns all the stock and plant um, and leases all the land from the landowning entities. And so this has worked really well. We set that up in 2008 and um, and we've had an um, incredible bit of growth since then. We started basically the crystal uh, farms, was about 727 hectares. Uh, we joined with the Collier family and then we now farm um, about 2,700 hectares, so and roughly sort of uh, uh, will be this winter, we'll winter around about 30,000 stock units. So yeah, we've had a cool little, uh, little journey with that. Um, you know, I do a few other governance roles uh, in the wider industry. I chair our local Realmwood um mill and their their wider group, the How Pine product group, which I really enjoy and chance to sort of uh, use my mind and get a kid off farm. Um and we're really, really uh, passionate about our local community. And that means a hell of a lot to us. I spent 10 years on a school board. We run a very successful uh, four-wheel drive, which has been going for 18 years now, which Rubberman kindly uh, sponsor one of, our, one of our keen sponsors, So, which is cool. Um, and then my brother Rich is also the chair of our local hall committee. So yeah, we're really passionate about our community.
0: Excellent. Good stuff and really keen to delve into the role of rural communities uh, very soon. But before we crack into that, I'll be keen to get your overview of your own personal sustainability journey, shall we say, you know, what sustainability means for you, why it's important and how you've gone about improving the sustainability performance of of your own business, Mark. Yeah,
1: okay, that's cool. Um, I sort of like an... Sustainability to three legged stool really, and you you have the, the financial component, the environmental component, and a social component. And really, to me, if one of those legs is not operating properly, the stool falls over. And that's very much how we look at it uh, within this business. We have you know so been on on this journey for a wee while. We won um, a three awards at the Balance Farm Environmental Awards in 2014. We put all the farms through the Horizons SLUI Plan, which is sustainable land. And use initiative, which started after the 2004 floods. Um, it's very much a, a mountains to the sea approach, the Slowy plans, and, and they've worked really well to mapping our um, all of our soils in the farm and, and, and really forming a big chunk of what a, uh, a land environmental plan actually looks like. So they've that, been really, really useful. we planted uh, 4,000 native trees for the last um, three years, and, and that's our goal for uh, over 10 years, to plant 4,000 natives a year. Other little things, we built a house here about 14 years ago when we had a real goal around efficiency. So um, all the lights are LEDs. And um, you know a cool heating system in there that um, you know uses wood to heat the underfloor. So you know our, our goal was to set the uh, our power account at a thousand dollars a year, or, or pretty much a hundred bucks a month. So get twelve hundred dollars a year, and we pretty much adhere to that really, which has been really cool. So I, I think one of the things that's really um, comes to the light with this is is and it's cool saying that we have is that you can't farm with Dad's diary, and that's all about um, you know moving your business on, and and you, you just can't can't use what we did 15, 20 years ago, you know, we, we have to change um, and that's been driven by our markets and, and by social um, pressures and things. And we have to really prove where we're at these days and, and that's why we've joined um, an accreditation program called FAP Plus, which is a New Zealand farm insurance program plus and the plus is all the uh, the people side of your business um, and the environment side of your business and and really just a really good holistic view of your whole business. I really, really do like that.
0: Yeah, well, you're obviously well down the track. And, and it's interesting when you're talking about sustainability, you made a, you know, some reference in there around efficiencies and, and alluding to cost savings, which I think is, a, is really important that we continue looking at this topic through the lenses because it's very easy to revert to maybe some of the negative connotations around it. But ultimately, that's the outcome that we're striving for. And that will be the real business opportunity that these kind of discussions can deliver on. Now, we mentioned that you are Deputy Chair of the Rangitiki Rivers Catchment Collective. Can you tell us how you first became involved with the collective, Mark?
1: We've been going for sort of roughly five years now with the what we call the RRCC, the Rangitikei River's Community catchments, and uh, we started with the a lot of uh, feedlots that were along the Rangitikei River, and it was there was a lot of pressure from certain areas within. Um, media and with things to work with these farmers around these feedlots to try and get them off the river's edge and and that's uh, happened and now I think there's only one um, out of the original 27 or something that, that are operating so that sort of morphed really into a lead in towards the catchment um, role really and, and that's where we, we started and probably been in the catchment role for about four years now and, and it's really a, a bottoms up approach so you know we're really adamant about this bottoms up approach so it's certainly not top down um, not like central government or regional government or anything, When we really do look at it it from a farmer's lens, from a catchment lens. And so we've had some really cool growth in that uh, that four years and and to the point now where I think we're 95% of the Lingatike catchment, so there's about 705,000 hectares within the catchment, basically from um, pretty much Ruapehu right down to the sea towards bulls. And so, you know, we've uh, 23 different catchments we've got up and running, um, and I think to date we've probably around 400 farmers are in active catchment groups. It's by farmers for farmers, really, and, and, and it's all about sort of lifting farmers um, their knowledge around sustainability and follow-on as their capability around sustainability. So, you know, that's been really, really, really cool.
0: You mentioned, you know, 95% engagement, which seems incredibly high to me, Mark, so well done to you and the group. What, what's been the secret to success there?
1: I think, Blake, the real key is that bottoms-up approach, that, that we're not actually coming down and telling these catchments what to do. We're letting them design what they want to be done uh, or what, what, what needs to be done in their catchment. We put all catchments through a goals and visions exercise. Um, so they really look at their catchment and we, we really do make sure or try to make sure that we get, um, you know, a, a fair representation at those goals and visions workshop to really flesh out what they want um, to happen within their catchment. And that varies from catchment to catchment, um, from sub-catchment to sub-catchment. You know, there's no, I don't think there's any model we certainly don't have any model around how big a catchment can be. Some of our, uh, some of them are big. You know, we've got some ones in the, that upper at okay which is uh, probably around. Um, you know, thirty-five thousand hectares, and, and but it's the big farms up there. So there's actually only six landowners um in that area, and then with our one, we're about twenty-four thousand hectares of farmed land. Actually, if you take the defence force in there, it takes us right up to over um over forty thousand hectares. So so and then we've got some smaller ones as we get closer to Happy, So there's actually no model. So I think it's just just being the that as I say, people resonate with that bottoms up. You know, that they're designing their own catchment.
0: So very much a identifying local issues to find local solutions that are that are relevant to the participants of the group, Mark. Absolutely. Pretty true, Mike yeah. You mentioned, you know, probably the the impetus or, or when you first started it was to be fair, it sounded like it was addressing some significant issues that the area had. From what I'm picking up, the catchment groups almost evolved from that to, you know, just identifying sort of regulatory level or, or acute issues to actually a, a more holistic approach but also more proactive and and, and gone beyond just complying with what you need to comply with to really understanding, you know, what is relevant in the region and and really trying to get in front of things. Would that be fair?
1: Very true. We, We have this goal... If, if we want to get of ahead of where where social pressures are, and, and we have Wellington lifting the bar all the time to where we need to operate, and then we have regional councils have to come up to that bar, and then obviously thirdly farmers come up to that bar as well. Now, our goal is to have farmers bounce well ahead of that bar. Then we'll be able to have pushback at, at Wellington and say, well, you know, if they come in with something, we we'll say actually we're doing that. We're doing that. that that's all been been done since uh, or for five years, for example. So, and that's where we see really this this integrated farm planning our space, which is really what uh, what NZFAP Plus is, is all about, and so we've had a lot of talk with um, with MPI and MFE around this, and we have been told that uh, the NZFAP Plus does meet an integrated farm plan, and that's a, re- as I say, this you know this holistic view of your business. So it just doesn't include the environment; or it includes everything around people. You know, make sure you're not paying below the minimum wage. You know, you prove that you've actually got a contract with your staff, all those things, and, and then basically, as I say, all your natural resources. You know, prove that you're actually water testing in your creeks or your rivers doing some macro testing all those sorts of things um, are really all part of that, that holistic uh, view and, and one of the, the key things around that NZ Fat Plus to me is two words is continuous improvement so it's not something that we put in the draw and leave we actually continuously improve and so there's a lot of photos so we, we, we talk about um, at all of our meetings, we, you know, use your cell phone. got the best camera in the world on those to take photos of what you're doing, how you're degrading, grazing, and those sorts of things, you know, your people involvement in your business, you know, staff dues, that sort of thing. It's just proving to our markets, first and foremost, that we are farming um, in a sustainable way.
0: For those listeners that aren't familiar with NZ. FAT Plus mark you? I would just give a quick overview of exactly what it is. You've given some really good examples of, of what's involved in the, in the process. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe just a quick summary of what NZ FAT Plus is. Yeah, okay. okay. So it includes all of the NZ
1: Fat requirements and, and I think from uh, uh, the NZFAI which is NZ Farm Assurance Incorporated something like 80% of farmers are actually into and uh, are accredited with NZFAP which is New Zealand Farm Assurance Program and so that includes a lot of the animal welfare side of it, uh, you know proving around your your drench documenting your batch numbers and expiry dates and safe date to slaughter dates and, and all those sorts of things so that's always been part of the FAP program, so the FAP Plus program is really including a lot of your natural resources and the people. Those are the big add-ons, so, which are two big add-ons, and uh, there's quite a bit to it. Um, don't get me wrong, but when I first saw the program, it was like, um, we need to be a part of this. We need to, to and, and this, I think in time will be, uh, for example, we'll have a, um, a digital wallet where we can bring this out and show Tesco's or Waitrose or whoever in the UK around our lamb or in the beef. Um, we're supplying the hand programme with the lions. You know, we, 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 they, they can pull it out and show, well, this is a farmer that, that is accredited and here's his is fat plus. So really, you know, all, all of those things around your waterways, making sure you're fencing off your waterways, making sure your critical source areas and your winter grazing are, um, are outlined and and you're doing something about that. Uh, As I said before, you're Water testing, your macroinvertebrate testing, all those sorts of things really, really come into it. And now once again, proving it, you know, all your winter grazing, we, we need to be, that, that's a big focus for us at the moment up here, is is, is winter grazing and, and the requirements that have been driven out of Wellington around that. So then once again, the best form of uh, documenting that down is taking a photo of, of how you're doing that. So, um, and then of course, the people side of it is huge as well. So, uh, you know, you've got to show that you've got contracts, you've got to show that you, or um, prove that you're not paying. Um, below the minimum wage with your staff salaries little things like that which are really really driven a lot by our markets actually
0: So when you think about the work you've done involved with the Catchment Group and with um, New Zealand Fat Plus have you seen or are you realising tangible value with your business, Mark, whether that's through some of these efficiencies we talked about earlier, some of the cost savings, or is it more about future-proofing your operation, maybe some risk mitigation going on there. Is it, or is it a combination of both?
1: I think it is a combination of both. As a business, we've been able to achieve the NZ Fat Plus because of the RR, What the RRCC has done. You know, we ran a, a, an NZ Fat Plus workshop with the basically the two architects of that program, which was really well. Uh, you know, sixty odd people through that. You know, we've we've done all the uh, overseer nutrient budgets, and approximately um, sort of one hundred and fifty people have gone through that program. Um, you know, that's a big part of NZ Fat Plus as well. You know, run old man's bed workshops. Um, intensive winter grazing workshops, uh, we build a website. one of the big things is, is our water quality. So we're testing across 84 sites um, in the Rangitike now. I think that's three times more than what our regional council's testing. So, you know, we, and we do these uh, on first Tuesday of every month. Um, and we're testing for uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, E. coli, and turbidity. And we've had Aquanet actually do some three-year water analysis for us. So we're really starting to, well, it's probably a bit early to see trends yet, but that's been really positive. And, and when we show that some of that data up on a screen in our catchment groups, you know, that some of these people say, well, how do I get my trib like his trib? And so that's been a real positive effect that's come out.
0: So the catchment group really does supply that sort of support framework and i'm almost almost hearing a sort of a economies of scale around um, elements of, of you know water quality testing and the like which may be quite challenging to do as an individual farmer but once you come together as a collective you can start to bring together the appropriate experts and and support uh, systems that actually enable you to, to really get some value out of um, what you, what you are testing and, and the results that are coming back very true, and it's
1: um, it's it's all part of the you know that, that social license to farm. Um, and I think this was really uh, highlighted about six years ago when we had an election, when we, there was a bit of a beat up on farmers around around water quality in our rivers. And one of the biggest issues was that you know if we were bounced by our urban friends around um, water quality and wrecking our rivers, yeah, you know, um, we really had no data. We hadn't, we had no proof. So, one of the big things around the testing is to say, you know, if we do get bounced um, again, is to say, well, actually we're not ruining our waterways, and this is the evidence, this is the data to prove it. And, and farmers have really resonated with that, with that water testing, and, and, and um, they feel really proud of, of their, the water testing data that's coming back through. And, and in the main, it's pretty good. Yep, we've got some trips that we need to work on, no, no question. Um, we've got some that are phosphate uh, challenged, and, and we're working with those at the moment on how to correct those. We, we believe that it's probably a, a phosphate rock issue, that's a natural rock issue in, in the ground. That is uh, elevating our phosphate levels, but, but we need to prove that. So um, once again, it's all about proof and data.
0: And presumably, that means you can actually focus on the right solutions to the particular problem, rather than a, a generic kind of skittergun approach that might not actually be addressing what your local local issues are. If you look forward, Mark, um, you know what role do you see groups like the Ringataika Collective playing in the future success of farming in New Zealand? I think catchment groups.
1: Is where the energy is at the moment in, in farming. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we're getting very thankfully funded by MPI, our, our main partner in this. And so to run these days uh, free of charge um, and get some real professionals in to do that is really cool. You know, data collection is is really, really important. We're really focused on our data collection and, and, and who owns that data. So we own that data if, if we're collecting it. And it's really, I don't see the other group's uh, water data. That, that's their their data and, and what they want to do with it is their call. Where we can really help in the future is building partnerships. We've got a really, really strong partnership with our iwi. Roger Darampo and I, the chair, have presented it uh, at two huis now. And there's a big focus with iwi on um, things like Tamana otawai And we have actually very, very similar goals. And in credit to Iwi, you know, they've got those goals all written down and and it's their cultural um, strategies and things like that. So, you know, and and then obviously uh, Horizons, we've got a really uh, strong relationship with them. And and where we're heading, Blake, is really uh, along um, and doing a really cool pilot at the moment with um, a catchment plan. Instead of having our own environmental plan, we're actually talking about a catchment plan now. So that's pulling all the environmental plans from all our individual farmers within our catchment together and digitising it, and and the digital journey is has to start somewhere, and we're really, really encouraged with what we see, a big focus on the winter grazing side of it, so our goal in the end of it is to go to uh, Iwi and to Horizons, and instead of signing each individual farmer off with their winter grazing consent, we want them to sign the catchment off, so a bit of a different strategy, and and we could save a whole heap of resources, could save a lot of money from the individual farmer's perspective, Um, and from an Iwi perspective, you know, they don't want to come on our farms. You know, they, they want to just know that we're doing this properly and, and, and we can get this, uh, all of this data through on, on this MyEnviro catchment plan. So really, really excited with the, where, where that's heading.
0: Yeah, so again, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, efficiencies, cost savings starting to be the, the outcomes or values that are coming out of this process. But, but another point I'll, I'll pick you up on there, Mark, which I think is, is really interesting is what I'm hearing is it's become a, a great forum to get everyone to, into the tent. So it's not just farmers addressing what the particular challenges they have but it's talking to the other groups in in the community. So everyone's on the same page and and talking to the same language. And and maybe when we talk about farming into the future and and, and some of the the pressures and the narratives around farmers that we're facing, maybe there's some good lessons there around the more you can create forums for everyone to come together and and talk about what the real issues are and and have that conversation based around facts and data and, and evidence is likely to be incredibly beneficial for everyone. 100%
1: 100% no no I totally agree and and, and we don't uh, this is not just limited to farmers either we, we actually want to have um, I do know in our catchment you know we had the uh, the district council involved uh, we had fishing game involved uh, we had doc involved with the army involved so catchments are around who uses the catchment um, at the end of the day it's not just farmers so you know we really passionate about bringing um, any, everyone um, into the room and, and, and really to take the whole catchment um,
0: to another level. So the army involvement, is that why you're at 95% engagement
1: mark <laughs> <laughs> no no not at all no they've, they've been on from day one actually we've uh, we've spoken with them we used to test up in up in the uh, army ground but that was all, all became a bit hard post uh, a, f- a few of the uh, natural disasters we've had in new zealand so uh, they, they put the screws on us getting in there so um, but anyway we, we do test just down at um at a station uh, just up the road actually which is r- really the start of agriculture mm. um, and our catchment and that was the whole idea of getting a test right at the top.
0: Oh, great! I thought I thought that might be one of the lessons for the other groups looking to boost engagement uh, in, in their regions. Hey, if if we think more broadly about catchment groups, given you know there will be some farmers in areas that don't have a, an organised local catchment group as such, you know, how important do you see that kind of rural community ecosystem in helping farmers adapt to changes? You know, do you have any tips around how farmers can tap into the, the support that rural communities do provide to improve the performance of their business if, if they don't have maybe that, that organised catchment group?
1: Yeah, I think it's, Really, really important. Actually, these uh, and once again, I'll come back to community being at the heart of our uh, what we do in these catchment groups. You know, we design the boundaries. For these catchment groups around communities. It's not actually a, a true watershed. Um, for example, this um, our one here in the, the Morfongo, we've actually got a lower, lower Moffongo group and an upper Morfongo group. The lower Morfongo group tend to go to the Taroa Hall, and, and we, t- we obviously come to our Morfongo Hall. So we really split that down the middle and, and made it really around communities. So, you know, we had one, um, I was talking to someone in the Wairapara the other day, and um, they had a farmer who said that uh, the catchment group started up, and he said, um this is the first time I've been in this hall in 15 years. That's the beauty of catchment groups is coming together. And it's not just around environmental sustainability. It can be around mental health, you know, bringing everyone together to have a cup of tea or a beer afterwards, you know, some really, really solid. And, and we, we've uh, obviously delved into the the whole climate change um, scenarios as well. So we've done quite a bit of work around that within the catchments, um, different catchments around, around climate change. So uh, all those sorts of things. So, and I think it's, once again, I'll go back to what I was talking talking about earlier of getting ahead of regulation so this is really where we see catchment groups of, um, of bouncing right ahead of where, where governments uh, are pitching it and if we can do that then then I think we can put ourselves in a really good space. Farmers learn from farmers uh, farmers trust farmers, so you know, the, the, that's been, you know, there's nothing like a, a farmer testimonial at, um, at some of these days, you know, the, the, they really do resonate with that. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of RMPP groups uh, through in, in the different communities and they've been really cool in, in communities as well and, and uh, offered people the chance to, to really learn about their business through maybe benchmarking or, or different things like that. So these rural communities, you know, we need to get behind them and, and really keep bouncing them into um, the next generation.
0: Yeah, look, and, and given the pressures coming on farmers, um, that that just comes through change. I mean, I'm going through a period of change. I certainly think continuing to have strong, thriving rural communities that have both uh, the ability but the capacity to support farmers and in the, in the wider community is going to be crucial to helping everyone adapt and, and get to where they need to get to. Do you have any other key messages or takeaways from your experiences with, with the Catchment Group you'd like to share with our listeners, Mark?
1: I think one of the key ones, Blake, is to make a start on your sustainable journey. It is Frustrating for some, and, and I know we we get this a bit from farmers saying, oh, you know, where do I start? Where do I start on this? So that is hard. But just pick something, make a start. Things like NZ Fat Plus. You know, my, my uh, message to people was to to set yourself a goal of maybe doing a module a month or something like that. Um, if you can do it quicker, that's even better. But just actually make a start. We talked about it before, but you know, your your business needs to evolve. You, our, our business has evolved hugely since we started in, in two thousand and eight. You know, and it, will continue to evolve you know what we're doing today in five years time will probably be completely won't be completely different but but there'll be parts of it that will be will definitely be different and that's just been part of the journey that we've been on you know it's an amazing what you can actually achieve and get done in in a short period of time when you when you set your mind to it and if you haven't got that experience on farm, well, you know, you actually probably need to to get some of that experience in. And, and that's where we see catchment groups. You know, it doesn't need to be a huge cost a lot of the time but to get people in or to attend a field day and uh, or uh, one of those sorts of days we have around NZFAT Plus or, or climate change or anything. So. And I think once again this integrated farm planning space is is really great for succession planning you know it's a lot of this has been uh, and I know in our catchment here we have some young families that have come back and, and chingos, they're right on the succession path um and, and this is an environmental uh, space as well so you know we we need to lift our game and and it's great to have um you know our, our, our children i know our children um you know for them to come back into this business um we've ticked a lot of those boxes there already and and they just need and and uh, it lets them get on and and just farm and, and, and take the business to another level and I think it's one thing that uh, we certainly um, having especially got that accreditation with the NZ Fat Plus it just means you, you know I don't uh, lose any sleep at night over uh, over some of these things because, because I know it's done and I know we're, we're, we're well ahead of um, you know where, where Wellington or what Wellington is demanding.
0: I think just making a start is a great message and key takeaway, Mark, because reality, you know, not everyone will be at the same stage that, you know, you're at, for example, but I think it's more around the direction of travel and and where you're heading and a a willingness to engage and and learn. And and the reality is that will be quite scary for a lot of people because it is something new. And again, I think that's where, you know, catchment groups play a great role in helping to provide that pathway or, or, or comfort that enables people to learn in a, in a collective environment and, and share experiences with others that are probably feeling the, the same way and, and can start tapping into the resources that get them moving in the, in the direction that they need to go in. So, look, thank you very much for, for the chat today. We Really appreciate it, Mark, and, and well done for what you and the, the collective ha, have achieved up there and, and will no doubt continue to, to achieve into the future. And, and I look forward to you know further discussions and, and touching base to see how things are progressing and, and the lessons that you've learned along the way. Thanks, Blake. It's been joy, uh, enjoyable talking to you. Thank you for listening to Rubber Talks: Growing Our Future podcast. If you're interested in learning more about how RaboBank can support you to succeed in the future, please go to rabobank.co.nz.